Thank you for coming and showing up today. We have a, a beautiful opportunity for a couple hours to really go into uh, the experiences that you went through and the practicalities of living in that state of mind and going beyond the body as a daily, moment-by-moment -moment experience. And when that happens, we always do end up talking about guidance because for us, that's, that's the saving grace of how the Holy Spirit takes us to the Kingdom of Heaven is through guidance. Like, even with hypotheticals, you know, clearly the movie was about all hypotheticals are of the past and the future, and Nemo was bouncing around in his mind between all these uh, memories, these pretty intense experiences uh, that involved like three love relationships and then uh, dying, be drowning, being shot, uh, going through a motorcycle crash and all the things, all these scenarios and all in the context of they're just hypotheticals of the past and the future. But if the ego made up all the hypotheticals, then where does that leave us? What if you still are thinking of the past and thinking of the future and you're showing up on this online retreat going, okay, I get it, my mind is preoccupied with hypothetical thoughts. Okay, I'm really getting a, a good sense of that. All right, all my problems are actually solved, but I'm, I'm always remembering perceived problems from the past and projecting perceived problems into the future. How do I get out? How do I, how do I get out of that, uh, that hypothetical thinking? Well, the ego made the hypothetical thinking, so it must be that the Holy Spirit can use anything that the ego made to guide you into a place of peace and stillness. And so we thought we would just start off today, before we begin all of our interactions, with, with looking at some things that Francis raised uh, on Friday night. Because a lot of the questions that you've written in really had to do with body symptoms. Like, okay, I've, I read the Course, I study the Course, I still seem to have body symptoms and I try to practice the Course the best I can, but it still seems like these body symptoms are a preoccupation. And there's such a preoccupation that I find myself, uh, you, you say, I find myself praying, help me heal the body. Even though what Francis shared in the first night, Friday night, was the, the body suffers as the mask to hide what really suffers, which is the mind. So it's like there's some kind of a trick going on in which the body's suffering is used as such a major distraction to keep the mind from, from seeing that it is the one that's suffering. It's not the body that's suffering, it's just the mind tells the body what to feel. And the mind also projects symptoms onto the body to make it very convincingly seem like there is an external problem to be solved among many external problems. Yeah, and I think out of, we have so many questions about body symptoms 
embodies, but I thought maybe I would just read Dennis's question just as a representative of it all because he put it in a very articulate, um, articulate way, and I think that really is a description of the struggle that, as Dennis Nigel, Nigel, so. Okay, hi beloveds, I have had a good deal of symptoms for years. I've tried different magical remedies to help with the symptoms. I can see that my thoughts are reinforcing the beliefs that make the idea of disease real for me. I hear myself talk about the symptoms and their causes coming from outside, giving them power which I continue to act on. Many other areas of my life have been much easier to forgive and let go with miraculous results, but not so with bodily symptoms and their erroneous erroneous beliefs. It seems to be very much like an addiction to thinking in the same pattern. Is it because I have so heavily reinforced these beliefs that they seem so entrenched and I feel so incapable of having the ability to really fully take them to spirit to be seen as unreal. I can feel that I'm identified with the ego and its point of view and don't really want to let them go. Of course, it all seems so insane and unreasonable, even irrational. I can see the ego wants to make make it seem real, making me feel weak and powerless. Can you shed any light on this? Yeah, that's a good one. That's that's getting back to the the thing about is the mind and not the body. Yeah. That's the decision maker. Yeah, that is the that is actually this morning um David was reading this part of the course and I thought, you know, that is such a beautiful way to to have a you know, a, a analogy or a visual um we can really have a parable of what what is truly the body to the mind? The air, you know, Jesus says the body is outside of you. Isn't, you think it's surrounding you, surrounding the mind, but it's actually outside of you. So this is a, a, such a perfect analogy to get yeah. us to understand. Yeah, I read it during the Mr. Nobody movie, but it's so good. I can just read part of it again. And he's, Jesus is making the analogy of children who play with toys. And of course children play with toys to be entertained. And when children are playing with toys they can be really mesmerized by this play. You know, they're not paying attention to what's going on. They're, they're kind of like in a world of their own with their dolls. And they're playing, they're playing as if they're, they're grown-ups or as, as if they're telling the dolls what to say to each other and what to do. And basically, uh, Jesus says, um, you do but dream and idols are the toys you dream you play with. Who has need of toys but children? They pretend they rule the world and give their toys the power to move about and talk and think and feel and speak for them. Yet everything their toys appear to do is in the minds of those who play with them. 
but they are eager to forget that they made up the dream in which their toys are real, nor recognize the wishes are their own. Then it goes on, it says, uh, their reality becomes his own because they seem to save him from his thoughts. In other words, the reason that children play with toys is it's their, it's their playful imagination and they're telling the dolls, the toys, what to do, what to think, what to feel, what to say, and that's what the whole entertainment is. Uh, how fun! I can, I can give reality to these little dolls. And, and this is what's going on in the mind. So Dennis, when you're asking about uh, symptoms, physical symptoms and sickness and disease, the mind assigns the disease to the body as if the body has the disease. And of course this is reinforced by all of our conditioning as we grow up. The medical model tells us, it doesn't tell us cancer's in the mind. <laughs> it doesn't tell us heart disease is in the mind. It doesn't tell us blood pressure is in the mind. As we grow up and we have the conditioning of the world, we have, we have two different categories from, for sickness. And, and one category is mental illness, like mental retardation, um, schizophrenia, psychosis, you know, uh, depression. Uh, those are all mental illnesses. And then we have another category which we would call illness and diseases of the body. And this is all part of the trick of the ego to think that there are external diseases. Francis was mentioning to, again today because Jesus tells us that the body is outside you, but it seems to surround you. But the body is outside you, meaning it's inside of you is your spirit, inside of your mind is the light, and the body is outside. The body is a projection. It would be like if you went to a, the, a theater with your wife and you, and you had the, the, the story of Dennis. And on the screen, Dennis was saying, oh, I've got uh, these symptoms and here's what I think's going on and this is what I think caused it and everything like this. But you would say, well that's a motion picture of Dennis, that that's an image of, on the screen of Dennis. And you would say, well that image up there on the screen doesn't, doesn't have these symptoms. But I do. But wait a minute, Dennis is on the screen too. <laughs> so, when the Course talks about, he thinks he needs them that he may escape his thoughts, because he thinks the thoughts are real, this is what's going on from a deeper level, and a metaphysical level. That the mind that fell asleep and forgot heaven, believed it separated from God, but that belief that you could leave God is so horrific and so dark that these dark thoughts, we'll call them attack thoughts, were pushed out of awareness and then the mind needed a hiding place so that it wouldn't feel so guilty. So it projected out a world, which Dennis is a part of, <laughs> a, a world of physical images, which Dennis is an image. And then it put the guilt onto the character. So now we have Dennis saying, I've got a, a symptom or I've, it's because of this thing and that thing, and it's all part of that false cause effect.
all illness comes from believing in separation from God, but like Francis was saying, that's, that's such a high thing. You know, we need intermediate steps to start to go towards that. And we have to start to realize that, first of all, there's a tremendous fear of thoughts. And one good question would be, why am I so afraid of, of these thoughts? Well, if you believe you separated from God, and you think you could think thoughts apart from your source, that's what we might call miscreation. Like if God created you as perfect spirit, and you said, hmm, I'm going to go play time and space game. Thank you God for giving me such a pure, perfect mind of light, but I'm actually going to try something else, uh, something other than heaven. And then the, this belief in miscreation, the belief that you can actually use the power of your mind to make up something that's unlike God, is horrendous, it's terrifying, it's, it's, it's called a gap in the mind, it's just a belief, but it's in this gap, it's terrifying. Jesus even calls it the unholy instant. And so the trick that the ego does to deal with the horror, to deal with the terror, to deal with this intense guilt, is it makes up a make-believe world and then it projects it to its toys. And the things of time and space are the toys, including the body of Dennis. It's one of those toys, it's a puppet. It, and, and yet the mind is the puppeteer. And so this is why you when people say, I, I read it in the Course that it's my thoughts is where I need the healing. But on a practical, day-to-day -day basis, what you're saying in your question is, wow, I'm pretty attracted to, uh, to searching for not only the symptoms, but, but the causes in the world for the symptoms. It's almost like a game that's become so entertaining, like a child who's playing with the dentist doll, and the child is having so much fun playing the game with the dentist doll that it, it doesn't want to listen to it's not, it's too entertained. It doesn't want to uh, go and look at the mind. That seems too intense. So it's, it's more fun, seemingly, to play the dentist game and look for the external causes for these symptoms than it is to forgive. It's, it's, it's a mesmerism where the game seems so enticing and so attractive that forgiveness seems like, oh, that's too much, that's too much. To, to look in my mind for every scrap of, of guilt and fear and, and hand it over to the light. It's, it's, it seems to the ego much more fun to play the game. And this is why a lot of the questions, I think we counted maybe seven or eight questions, were really along the line of, of your question, Dennis, is that you're, you're seeing these symptoms and you, you can follow the Course teachings intellectually. But in terms of practical application, you're having too much fun with playing this game. You're playing like Sherlock Holmes. You need a Sherlock Holmes hat on there at looking at these symptoms and what are the, all the possible causes in the world. You know, so now you're actually coming to the point where you have to start to question is this game really fun? There's a time where child, children's toys should be put, put aside. Remember how the adults said like, okay, now you're old enough that you shouldn't be playing with dolls all day. 
you're you're going to be you're you're an adult, so there's a point where childhood play with the toys needs to stop, and that's really what that's kind of the same boat that that all Course in Miracles students yeah. and teachers are in. We're, everybody's in the same boat. Actually, Jesus says that it's time. There is a time that the child needs to grow up and let go of their toys. It's his way of saying to us, "Let's come on, let go of playing with the symbols that has no meaning, and do not give them more meaning than they have, but come back to the mind." It is time for that, and that is what Jesus is basically saying. And and another thing is with the body symptoms. It's like sickness is almost. It's not the causation of anything. It is the effect or the reflection of the mind still. The byproduct. The byproduct. The symptom is a byproduct. If the symptoms are byproducts, then you know what we're going for cannot be those symptoms. We have to go to where the real the real cause is. So when we're talking about healing, Jesus says that healing and and atonement are identical, and he was saying go for atonement because healing can't help but happen because healing is atonement. There is no other healing outside of atonement. There is no separated healing of a symptom or a body without atonement. There is no healing without realizing.、Um, That this world is is not real. He actually says that the re- there is one requisite to realize that you can but just say this symptom has no、um, no purpose and I don't need it anymore and you be healed instantaneously. He said there is only one requisite for that, which is to recognize that the sickness is in the mind and not the body. But he said that recognize what does that cost you to have that recognition? It costs you the whole world you see. In another word, in another word, he's saying you can't really recognize it without completely letting go and relinquish any belief about the reality of this world. Because when you recognize the cause of the sickness and to be healed. You also realize there is no power over your mind from anything in the world. You completely free. That is, that is a freedom. That is actually you know what we are, we're going for. So I would say healing is a worthy goal. It is exactly what we're here for, and yet we can't keep looking at the symptoms. Because also, Jesus is saying that, don't don't focus on the specific symptoms. If you focus on the specific symptoms, you forget the same purpose. They all share all the different symptoms. They share one purpose, and if we can really know the purpose, we will not be fooled. We can just ask, "What is the purpose of thinking this, thinking about this? The the the, the problems, the, the 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 solutions, and、um, the causes. What is the purpose of this?" And what is the alternative purpose? That is really we're going for an opposite direction now. Yeah, and and Dennis, you're not 
a medical doctor, but you, you love the game of looking for external causes. And imagine, let's say you were a medical doctor, let's say you had 10 years of, of training as a medical doctor. We actually have people that work with us on a daily basis, like our friend Seema uh, from, from the New England area. She, you know, she's a medical doctor, and now she's been following our teachings, she's been following the course, she's, she's becoming more of a, a Mary Magdalene Chandler and a, an intuitive, she's just on her journey of awakening. But after 10, we'll say 8 to 10 years of medical training, what is medical training except to investigate all the causes that can happen to a body, to a body, to a brain, to, a, to all the systems of the body, the, you know, the cardiovascular system, the blood, the, blood the, the cells, and she, let's say you learn from eight to ten years of all the causes that can happen to a body. And now she's got to forget them all. And let's say she learned uh, 25,000 causes uh, that could happen to a body. That's probably a low estimate. There's probably a lot more. If you're a medical doctor, you need to, more than that, but it's a lot more. And then Jesus says in the Course, he says, of all the causes you ascribed to, this, to these symptoms, the one thing you didn't see is, it, is your guilt, the guilt in your mind. You know, I talk about the dream that you dream in secret, this unconscious mind that Carl Jung talked about, called it the shadow. Jesus is saying, all the symptoms are selected by the mind and projected onto the body. And it's all coming from guilt. In fact, I have a friend right now who, uh, Alan Dalit, who's studied the Course for like 30 years, and I always joke about his, his email signature. He, his email signature is, seriousness causes reincarnation. <laughs> seriousness <laughs> causes reincarnation. Remember, Jesus says, you remember not to laugh at, the, at this belief in separation. You had your chance, but you took it serious. And now the world you perceive are, are the consequences of, 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 instead of laughing at the belief in separation, at the belief you can separate from God, you took it serious and now there seems to be a lot of serious effects called history. <laughs> and wars and diseases and plagues and everything that God didn't create, God doesn't even know about, but in, in mind it seems like a pretty dark dream. Uh, this pandemic is just a mild one compared to the Great Plague, you know, and some of the other pandemics on the planet. You know, this is like a mild version. But what he's saying is, you're selecting, your mind out of guilt is selecting the symptoms and is projecting them onto the body. Well, right away that, will, that would end the toy game, because you're not going to be searching for, was it, uh, was it my diet? Uh, was it uh, something I, I, I exercised too much and, and I overdid it? Uh, was there, was there a, some kind of a, a cause of radiation for the cancer? Or maybe my diet over all these years of eating pigs and cows <laughs> had had an effect on my cardiovascular system. You see how the doctors are supposed to tell you how your diet, your lifestyle, your, the medications you took, the, the actions you did that were, maybe were not so wise. Doctors try to come up with all of the external causes and Jesus says, 
Well, the one thing you haven't considered is your own guilt. The guilt in your mind of believing you separated from God is, is really the one thing that's behind all of it. And that's why he's saying you need miracles more than medicine. You need, you need miracles more than diet changes. It's not saying that you may not be, you may be guided by the Holy Spirit to, to change diet, uh, to change things like exercise. The Spirit is very practical. The Spirit's not like trying to rip the world away from you in, in any way to scare you, but the Spirit may give you some, some guidances. And I've worked with people over the years that will tell me the Spirit's guided them in term, terms of their medications, like, like Svava always said, she was part of a, the system of meds, where she was on so many different medications um, for psychiatric problems, and then she had to be guided by Jesus about how to unwind from all these meds. You know, not just go cold turkey and whammo, stop all the meds one day, but she had to be guided step by step by Jesus. You know, you can re reduce the dosage here, you can reduce this. You know, it was a program over actually a period of weeks where she was able to, to release from the meds, from the we'll say addictive, addiction to the meds. The spirit can be very practical, but what we're talking about is the underlying idea that the mind is so powerful, but the ego made the world to keep you mindless, to help you forget about the mind and get all caught up in the time-space game of false causation. And the movie was really good with that because you could see Nemo uh, was dealing with as an old man, as a 117-year-old man, ready to turn to 118, he was pondering all of these situations and all of these relationships, and he was, he was trying to come to a place of peace in his mind. And he finally did. On his 118th birthday, he got the biggest smile on his face, and he said, this is the most beautiful day in my life. Out of 118 years, it was the most beautiful day because he started to realize that he hadn't made any wrong choices or right choices among all those relationships and all those scenarios, even though the journalist was trying to say, did you stay with her or did you not stay? Did you have children? Did you not have children? Did you drown or not? <laughs> You know, he, the, the journalist was trying to string it together and ask him all the linear questions. And he couldn't even answer. By the end, he just, he just got very quiet and then he got so happy. The biggest smile came on his face when he would just realize all of it. Like, he could appreciate all of it without trying to look at all the images, what he did right and what he did wrong what choices were wrong and what choices were right. That that was all the ego's trick to keep him confused. And he got happy at the end by seeing, that's impossible. I, I, I am not held responsible for my personal choices because he made a choice in his mind. And as soon as he made that choice in his mind, he burst into laughter. Ah, 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 ah. And, and his body started going backwards, you know. 
the, the collapse of time. The world is expanding, the cosmos is expanding. It reached that equilibrium point on his, the, the big crunch, before the big crunch started, and everything went backwards. He reached that point of happiness. I think that's the I need do nothing moment, when he, when he reached that point of realizing nothing had gone wrong. And it was symbolized, of course, by seeing, he was like, Anna, because that was his, uh, that was his love relationship that, that he couldn't let go of. And then at the end, the symbol of him and Anna embracing and coming together was like, yes, the love is complete. I, I don't have to think of Anna as something outside of my mind that, that is apart from me that we are together, we are the same one. We're the same, the same spirit. We're the same love. So to me, that, it's, it's a good question, this, is, this uh, symptom thing. But most people don't think, oh well, I just selected this symptom. Because if they would say, why would I select a symptom for my body like this, then they would have to go into the guilt and they would have to face the thoughts. They would have to face the thoughts, expose the thoughts, and give them over to Jesus. And it seems more fascinating to the ego to play the, the sleuth. What is it that caused what? You know, it's always trying to make a complex puzzle out of something that's actually not complicated at all. Yeah, and I actually also like the, what the, you refer to it, Dennis, as an addiction, because it's almost like the mind is addicted to think this way, to search for solutions outside. So if, if that is the, the surface, the addiction, thinking the mind direction goes this way, then what is the alternative except that, you know, normally when, um, when addicts are trying to recover, they go to a rehab center to allow themselves be taken, be healed, be guided. They don't rely on their own willpower necessarily or their own decision making. So in a way, the alternative of that is trying to give this decision making power to the spirit. Like David was talking yesterday that that decision, um, the spirit is coming from outside of time space. And time space is this big addiction that you know, the byproduct of the time-space is the symptoms. So the decision comes from outside of time-space, and the form, the specific form, are just reflections. But really, for us, we're not choosing the specific forms, by not giving them power. What we're choosing is the spirit constantly. We're choosing the spirit. And as a reflection of it, we are following what he was pointing us to do, say, go there, go there, because you don't want to rely on your own judgment of time and space. So in that way, we're really just making this one choice. Choose the spirit. Choose the purpose of waking up. Choose to, to do whatever the spirit led us to do, to choose miracle as the, 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 the flip side of how to heal ourselves. And the miracles that you cannot choose choose by yourself either. You cannot direct miracles but to choose, let this completely be guided. And I think that is really the, the, the opposite, the solution to the addiction. 
yeah. the guidance. It's the guidance. And you know, the best thing about it is Jesus knows our minds so well. He, he knows us like the back of our hand. He knows us so well that he knows what we can handle. He knows what we can do. He knows how, how ready we are. And for example, um, if we're talking about the mind and, and becoming mindless and getting all distracted by time and space, let's just say that um, anyone who goes into spiritual healing realizes they have to get in touch with the power of their mind. They have to get in touch with their thoughts. Even if they've, they've avoided that for years or decades, at some point everybody has to come back and to get in touch with their mind. Like for example, I know some people and they say, I re finally realized that I needed to face my thoughts. Even though I, I've, I distracted away through all types of drugs, addictions, and I use all kinds of things, distractions in the world, but I finally realized I had to face my thoughts. So they tell me, I say, well, what did you do? They say, well, I, I signed up for a Vipassana retreat. And I said, well, tell me about it. Well, there's a lot of rules. You can't talk to anybody. Uh, you're not allowed to look people in the eye. You have to just sit. I said, how long? Oh, for 13 hours a day. 13 hours a day. You have to sit for 13 hours a day. You can get up if you have to go to the bathroom. You can't look at people. You can't talk. And you have to do this for how many weeks? I think 10 days minimum. 10 days minimum. That's like the, that's the baby, the preschoolers, the 10 days of 13 hours a day sitting and no looking at anybody, no talking to anybody. Now, will that help you face your thoughts? Oh yeah. Uh, you start to sit there, you have a little discomfort in your back, a little stiffness or whatever. You'll be aware of your stiff back thoughts. Believe me, uh, <laughs> it's like right there. You see what I mean? For most people, that's like pretty extreme, like minimum of 10 days. Some people go there and they don't make it to 10 days because their mind is like, are you kidding me? Uh, to sit for, for 10 days, for 13 hours a day in stillness, and they've actually gone into prisons. We have a, a movie, Dharma Brothers, right where they took Vipassana into prisons and they had these prisoners sitting there uh, on mats for huge long stretches of time. They were, that was a program that was invited into the prison. And what I'm using this example for, that's just an extreme example. Now, Jesus knows your mind, Dennis, so he's like, he knows the games that the ego's been playing. He knows, he just, you had a little co-living experience you're there in your house with your wife right now. Jesus is right with you both. He's like saying, I'm still here. Uh, we've got to still face these thoughts and these beliefs because as long as you feel guilty, even unconsciously guilty, then you will experience discomfort in the dream world. That makes sense. Guilt and discomfort are really the same. One's projected, so it seems to be involving the body, and the other is in the mind, which is where the source is. The guilt in the mind is the source of all illness. The guilt in the mind is the source of all sickness. All discomfort, even emotional discomfort, irritations, annoyances, anger, depression, 
uh, rage, all the, it doesn't even matter the degree or the direction of the upset, it's all coming from guilt in the mind. And yet, now, at this stage of your life, you are saying to Jesus, I'm ready. I'm maybe not ready for Vipassana. <laughs> I maybe am not going off on a 25-day Vipassana retreat, you know. I'll, I'd rather have my wife and my dog to do this mind training, Jesus, if you don't mind. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's okay, that's great. I can work with that. You see how Jesus always is working with our mind. He's not working with our bodies. And the Holy Spirit doesn't really work with our bodies because they're projections. It would be like going to a movie theater and one of the characters on the screen says, I'm having these body symptoms. And you get up out of your chair in the theater and you walk up to the, the big screen in the theater and you start to tap the screen, going, oh poor baby, I, I'm here to help you. You, know, you. you wouldn't do that to a character on a screen of a motion picture because the, the shadows are coming from the, the projector, inside the projector from the film. Or, we'll say, modern-day digital. It's coming, it's coming from the digital projector. It's not coming from the screen. And that's the same analogy that Jesus uses with us, with our, with our mind and the screen of the world. He's saying, the problem is not on the screen, but the problem is always in your mind, and it always, without exception, arises from guilt. Of believing you're something that you're not. You're the Christ. You literally are, are the Christ, a perfect, perfect child of God, and yet when that's forgotten, the amnesia, like in the movie yesterday, he didn't get the angels uh, to do the thing on his lips, so he remembered the past and the future. He was even telling his mother, I see the future, I know the future, mother. No, you don't. <laughs> the mother said, no, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. I do. That's just deja vu, everybody has that sometime. You know, she, she tried to explain it away, but clearly Nemo was seeing all kinds of things before his father had that thing happen with the, the car and, and, and the car hitting the, the mother. He saw it in his bedroom. He, he literally knew things before they would seem to happen, but his mother couldn't handle that. And then when Later on, when he was having dinner with her mother and her mother's uh, uh, date, she's like, behave yourself, don't say anything strange or weird. And then Nemo says, you're going to die in a car accident, where it, it explains it very vividly of a train hitting the car, as the car is, he's unaware of the train coming. You're going to die, wasn't it like on a Sunday? Mm. <laughs> And he explained, he explained the death, and then the mother was really like, really upset, like, talk about a way to ruin a date. <laughs> to have your, your teenage son forecasting a prophecy of your date's death. You know, you can see from the mother's perspective, this is not, this is not what she wanted. And then when she finally said, you know, be honest with me, and he said, I just don't want to be like, I don't want to grow up to be like you. Serious face from mom. You know, that was like, not, not what she wanted to hear. But this is how it goes, where Jesus is so patient with us, always helping us look at our thoughts, and look within, 
where the source of the guilt is. Because deeper still, underneath the guilt is the light of heaven. But the light of heaven in our mind is just covered over by these ego thoughts and ego beliefs. So that's why it, it takes such, it's like, you can say, wow, I'm at the beginning of this discipline and mind training. You know, I'm, I'm happy to be at the start, you know. You know, you're wondering, I kind of get it intellectually, but it doesn't seem very practical in my daily life. And Jesus is like, yeah, you're at A of the alphabet, A to Z. Let's cheer you on. You're at A <laughs> of the alphabet, and you're at A of your mind training. And he's so happy that you're at A. He's so happy that you're on the alphabet. <laughs> you know, because you're on the way towards Z, or they say Z. We say Z. They say Z over in, in Australia. <laughs> you're on the way to Z, to Z. But you should rejoice in A, you know, that Jesus is with you and you're going to start to actually pay attention and be aware of your thoughts. Because underneath those thoughts are the beliefs. And, and we do have to, as Francis said, you can't, you can't just say intellectually, okay, all my problems are simply because I believe I've separated from God. What does that I mean? Intellectually that sounds good. Uh, sounds like it could be helpful, but, but practically speaking, you know, you, that's where the rubber meets the road. And for us, our whole life has been based on guidance, not knowing where we're going, what we're doing. We, we don't know from day to day what's coming next. Everywhere we've gone, and Francis and I have traveled around the world many, many times, but it's not like we had a plan for it. It's not like we sat down and Say, okay, let's get out our vision board. Okay, let's put our vision board there like the secret, you know. Okay, we can attract our reality to us, all that humbo mumbo jumbo. Oh, look, Francis, we've not been to this country. <laughs> let's do the prayer. Jesus, take us to, you know, whatever, Switzerland. Uh, okay, you doing it? Okay, Switzerland. Let's do this for a few hours. Switzerland, 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 Alps, Swiss Alps, Swiss Alps. Chalet, 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 chalet. You see, we're not trying to use the secret or the law of attraction to draw us to what we believe is best for us because we know we don't know what's best for us. Maybe it's not the best for us to be in the chalet at the Swiss Alps. Usually we, we never have been to a chalet at the Swiss Alps. We end up in Beijing or <laughs> Shanghai or whatever at a hotel with a bunch of Course in Miracles students doing what Jesus wants us to do, not doing what we're personally trying to visualize of based on our past uh, preferences. We're here to undo our preferences. We, we're here to say, Jesus, we don't even know what the best way to go. We don't know the best words to say. We don't know we don't know, you're the one who's, who's in the kingdom of heaven that's directing us how to get back home. So why would we think we know the way? Even in The Wizard of Oz, Dorothy just follows, you know, but she has to face flying monkeys, a wicked witch. She's got some pretty big obstacles. And then finally she gets there and it's her dog that jumps out of her, her hands, Toto, jumps out of her hands, goes, runs over, and pulls the curtain on the wizard. 
who's behind this whole trick, uh, pretending he's this powerful Oz when it's just this frightened man, but the dog, with the dog's mouth, pulls the curtain. That's kind of what the same boat that we're all in. We have to, we have to trust Jesus and the Holy Spirit to pull the curtain on, on the wizard, you know, and show us this frightened little puff of nothingness called ego is trying to scare us, like the wizard was, to scare us and to make us afraid when really Jesus is saying, no, God's not like that at all. God is just pure love and you have to, you do have to face your thoughts and forgive. So thank you, that's a, your question has helped us handle about seven or eight questions there. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you, Dennis. Well, shall we, is there any other questions that jump out? Well, I think um, we talked a little bit, but Jean had a question about fear of facing the mind as well. And that's also what we just talked about. Yeah. Jean's question was, was very explicit, and also um, Susanna. Um, was talking about that feeling of wrongness, and, and I think the way Jean put it was more um, the fear of not being able to wake up. Uh, I think, Jean, at one point you said, um, fear of not being able to wake up, fear of insanity, fear of being lost in mind, fear of confusion, fear there is no guidance, no help, no God, a general feeling of loss of a reference point. Nemo's blonde wife, that's Elise, that was the scary one for you, Elise, really freaks me out. This is great, this is what we want from all of you, just tell us your thoughts. See, Jean is really exposing her thoughts. Jean, Nemo's blonde wife, really freaks me out. I am so scared of being stuck in desperation and fear. I saw myself looking for something to ground me back in the world, which showed me how and why I did and am doing this every day. Creating a world to hide in, to feel secure. Such a fear of the unknown. I think that does relate to what we were just talking about with Dennis. Like, I would say, the thing about the spiritual journey is, even if you get a great book like A Course in Miracles, which I mean is, is really direct. The Course is not a beat around the bush pathway to God. It's like super direct. And it's so direct that the mind sometimes freaks when it starts to practice it. Because it's like, it's, it's not, it's like if you're having your gin and tonic, you don't get to have it with ice. You just have to drink it straight. It's like whiskey straight is what the Course is to the ego. It's like it's very strong um, alcohol, liquor. Because it's, it's, the ego is, is avoiding the light and the Course is taking us directly to the light. But I think the thing about it is, is like I was telling Dennis, Jesus is so gentle and He knows us so well that He knows what we're ready for, what we can handle, and Part of it is just starting to say, wow, I'm in for a lifetime of mind training. I'm in for a lifetime of devotion. I'm in for a lifetime of spiritual discipline. 
And I can't use the Course in Miracles as a band-aid approach. Many people read it, but their mind, the ego, defends against the Course by flipping the metaphysics around in the mind to adjust, to be more palatable and more adjustment, adjustable to the ego. And then with the practice of the Course, there's a lot of people that would rather be like a scholar of the Course, or a writer of the Course, or a workshop leader of the Course, or anything but a practitioner of the Course. It will, it will try, the ego will try to defend against this presence in the Course by all kind of tricks that are designed to minimize the Course. And I hear people every day say, well the Course isn't telling you have, you have to leave your life behind uh, as you know it in the world. You can just live a normal life and just continue saying the words and speaking the words of the Course. But the words don't get us back to heaven. It's the prayer of the heart. It's truly the prayer of the heart. So I feel like like your prayer is basically, do I have something really to fear? And it's like, no, actually the Spirit will keep step with every little step that you're willing to take. Every little, little nudge that you're given toward the Spirit will be met with, with all the care of the whole universe. The angels, everything is coming to, to meet you on this. And there are times, I know in the parable of David, where I felt like, I think there was like three or four times where I felt like, like I went through like a pretty big dismantling. Like I remember just having these points where I just was sitting, shaking my head going, what next? Like, it, it can't fall apart any worse than it just did. It can't, it can't disassemble any worse. And yet, I still was left sitting there thinking, okay, What's next? You know, now that this has fallen apart or this has fallen away, um, then what? What's the next step for me? What? What have you got for me? Because it's that's really where we meet the whole journey is in the present moment. But we have to meet it with such sincerity, such willingness. Mm. Our whole life. That's why we try to be very transparent about everything that we've gone through, mm. everything we've had to face, and. That's what Francis's whole session on Friday night was really the sincerity. I think that was the word that came through to me that you were saying you have to sincerely pray and you have to stay in the sincere prayer every moment. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you can't just slack off and say, well, okay, I, I finished phase two. Uh, do I get any rewards? And the Spirit's like, well, there's there's 45 phases, so let's go on to phase three. But where's my, where's my reward for phase two? You know, you have to come, come back into the, the prayer. Yeah, I think, I, I think when, um, shortly after I joined the community and I heard you saying this is a lifelong journey, in a way that takes the goal off the timeline for me. And I know probably for others as well, just because there was such a, a goal-driven mind, mindset to want to know that I will get it, and I think I'm getting it soon, when like it's like a dangling carrot, just cannot reach it, and there is a frustration. But once I heard and truly embraced it, okay, this is a lifetime. This, this is a practice that's going to last 
till the end of time, basically. Then there is no, suddenly no pressure for a goal on a linear time to say, where am I at? Comparing myself with others, comparing myself with anything in the, in the timeline, but it's just, you know, the more the fruit, the more it indicates the, the work behind it. The work is the mind, the mind work, the sincerity to, to just not let any situation be pushed away. You know, the, the mind, when it's so-called lazy to not doing the mind training work, what it does is just to push, push away, push a situation away and saying, okay, you know, I don't need to look at it or I, I know how to go about it. There's no prayer, no prayer behind it. So the, there is a, a lot of work, you know, on our daily life. On the surface, we, we're very joyful, but behind it, there is so much prayer, prayer all day long, never-ending prayer, to just um, want to see the guidance, you know, want to see we are following this guidance. And and also know our mind is is fixed, fixed, is anchored in asking the spirit. That is the direction we're we're giving them to the mind. And I watch David. He he probably wakes up just ask, what do you have me do, spirit? And then he he doesn't stop all day long. Even though the body is busy, the mind is still. But it's like one prompt after the next, and that becomes the that becomes the practice behind the joy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think what has happened with modern, seemingly modern society is it it could be called the quick fix society. Mm. So we we transfer this quick fix mentality to everything, including our spiritual path. So then, instead of thinking like back in the days when when people would devote their whole life maybe to a monastery or a spiritual calling, they would. That was part of their, their promises and their vows. Okay, I give my whole life over to you, Jesus, and, uh, and that's it. Now lead the way. Now it's turned more into a vending machine mentality. Imagine going to a vending machine with a few dollars to put the coins in the vending machine, and you say, okay, I'm at the spiritual enlightenment vending machine, and I've got my money. I've, I've saved up my money, I've got my money, so please insert your money. You insert, your, in the enlightenment vending machine, you insert, insert the dollars or, or euros or coins, whatever you've got, and then it goes, and then you, you take your enlightenment out of the bottom of the vending machine. You go, thank you, Jesus. That was it. That's what I wanted. That, I know... Uh, Basically, uh, it was actually Esther that wrote in the I need do nothing thing, which sometimes people even use the I need do nothing. They, I said, did you take the course? They said, oh yeah, I took the course. I took a course in miracles about uh, 12 years ago. Uh, how did it go for you? Oh, it was good. I, I was on to my next, my next books. Oh, you think the course is a book? Oh, oh the course is not a book. This course is, the book actually has the line inside the book, you will believe this, this course will be believed entirely or not at all. What? I thought it said I need to do nothing. No, he just, he threw that in there. He threw some, he threw some candy in there. But 
Actually, it says this course will be believed entirely or not at all. So it's a matter of mind of really getting faith in the Holy Spirit so that you don't need the book anymore. You, you have such a prayer for the Holy Spirit's guidance and Jesus' guidance that you reach a point where you don't need the book. And yet, oftentimes on the spiritual journey, people have a feeling like, like it's just reading words in a book, in a scripture. You know, sometimes people believe the Bible is, is the Word of God, it's the only way, and so on and so forth, even though the Course says it's just one form of the universal curriculum, and that there are many pathways to God. Even the Course says, you know, forget this world, forget this Course. It's not designed to, to generate a dependency on the book, but it is designed to generate a dependency on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> You know, we have to say that's a good form of dependency. If the Holy Spirit is your remembrance of who you really are, and, and the Holy Spirit is the one who gives you the guidance and instructions on how to wake up and transcend the body, to go beyond the body, then you want to be addicted to the Holy Spirit. And you don't even have to call it the Holy Spirit. You can call it intuition. You can call it higher self. You can call it Atman. You can call it Fred, you can call it Jane, you can, you can call it anything you want. You could even call it poop if you want. People always like it when I say that word, but imagine that was your inner, your higher self. What's the name? Poop. I've got to tune in to poop right now. You can give it any name you want. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't care what you call the Holy Spirit. Male, female, androgynous, oh androgynous higher self, I call upon you. you know, he, she, it. He, she, him, her. You know, you, it's so funny to watch humans. Him, her. God the Father, God the Mother. Father, Mother. Father, Mother. Father, Mother. I go to some churches, they can't say the word God. Father, Mother. Father, Mother. They want to be so inclusive of both sexes. Father, Mother. Father, Mother. Father, Mother. You know, I just laugh at all the human ways because it's all just trying to connect with the presence that knows the way, how to wake up. And that's really what this whole Beyond the Body uh, retreat is about, is about connecting with that inner presence and trusting that inner presence. And when fear comes up, just again taking a pause, taking a deep breath and just saying, okay, I, I trust. I, I trust. And I know that you're going to send me whatever I need, mighty companions, signs, symbols. If I can't hear your voice, you're going to make it obvious to me. You're going you're to bring it through somebody else's voice, or you're going to bring it through a, a, a bumper sticker, or a, a billboard, or you'll bring it in, in a flower, or something. You're going to find a way to reach me, because you love me so much, and you can reach past this fear that I have in my mind. So, that's the great thing, and, but as Francis is saying, it takes a full devotion. You can't be on the spiritual journey and, and try to divorce it as just one category of your day, or just one category of your worldly life. You want to be able to see God in every moment. You want to be among the ordinary, seemingly ordinary occurrences that are part of your day-to-day -day living. Um, wasn't the way of the peaceful warrior, that was one of the realizations. There is, 
There are no ordinary moments. moments. Every moment is extraordinary. Every, every single moment is spectacular. Imagine using that word when you think of this moment. How you doing? Spectacular! <laughs> what's happening in your life that is so spectacular? It's what's happening in my, my heart that's so spectacular. It's what's happening in my, in my mind that's so spectacular. It's not saying that the, the, that the things that I'm perceiving are, but if I'm in a spectacular state of mind, then everything that I perceive would be spectacular. And if I'm having a spectacular heart feeling, then it would be everything I experience from my heart is spectacular. That that's who, who we are and how we perceive the world is the central place in, in the dreaming of this world. That's what it means to be the dreamer. You're a spectacular dreamer. You're not just an ordinary dreamer. <laughs> You're a spectacular dreamer. And you, you dream a spectacular dream because of who you are. Not at the mercy of the world. You, you are empowered in mind. I think this also relates to... You want to read Susanna's? Sure. Because you've been working pretty intimately. I mean, I remember meeting Susanna over in Amsterdam and and being in the park and walking along on a summer's day in Amsterdam after I got back from India. And now, for probably for the last how many years, you and Susanna? Four years. Three and a half, four years. Yes, three and a half, four years. It's been a very intense process of working together, joining together, praying together. So Susanna says, Dear David and Francis, I feel to write in if only to take this step. I'm experiencing a lot of doubts and thoughts of failure. My prayer for this weekend was to have an experience to let go of this idea that I have done and I am doing something wrong. The belief keeps coming up over and over and over again, and I believe it again and again. Sometimes I'm able to work through something and I feel a release, but this belief feels so strong and not too long after I'm back in it. It's holding me back where I feel stuck and paralyzed at times, and I want to break free somehow. There is a thought from my time in community that I've let you down. I want to hide, and I'm so afraid to be seen, and there are thoughts that I should be over this by now. I have heard answers to my prayer in this retreat from both of you about wrongness and guilt slash time and forgiveness and so much more. And I pray for it to fully enter my heart. Will you join me in finding a way to truly let this thought go in all its forms? I want to be free. Thank you for everything. Oh, my love, Susanna. Hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah, what a beautiful prayer of the heart. Yeah, to let, let, let this thought, the thought of wrongness, let guilt go in all forms. That's a true prayer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we were talking about how the whole dream world comes from the dream that you dream in secret. And I was saying that the dream that you dream in secret is, is it's the ego. Because to Christ there is no secret dream. Uh, it, there's only a happy dream of, of forgiveness. But if we put the dream that you dream in secret 
and what you're talking about in your question, that feeling of wrongness, that feeling, that heavy feeling of wrongness, it's the wrong mind. What Jesus says is you have a right mind where the Holy Spirit lives, and you have a wrong mind where the ego lives. And the dream that's dreamed in secret, that's behind this whole fragmented dream world, is the wrong mind. And so, Jesus is telling us that every second of every day, you're vacillating between your right mind and your wrong mind. The mind is so powerful, but it's going back and forth. It's not, it's not totally insane, and it's not totally sane. Because the right mind is totally sane, and the wrong mind is totally insane, and the mind that's split between the right mind and the wrong mind is split between these two purposes. So it's vacillating in that, like a huge vacillation every moment, and, and that's where the confusion comes in. It's like our form of split mind or schizophrenia or psychosis is what they call it in, in, the, in the medical model. And so, because there's still an unconscious aspect to it, then that gets projected to the character of Susanna. So the wrong mind then becomes Susanna feeling wrong. See how it's, it goes from the mind and it gets projected out as part of the trick to alleviate this uncomfortable feeling uh, in the mind, which is feeling of wrongness. The sleeping mind, deep down, it feels wrong. It feels like something has gone terribly wrong. Something is not right. And Jesus is like, yeah, well the right mind is, is where you're headed to with spiritual awakening and the wrong mind is is getting exposed. And then the projection onto Susanna is where this heavy feeling of, I did something wrong, uh, comes in. And yet, that still comes back to our purpose and our guidance, because that's always our saving grace. It always is through joining, it's always through in the prayer to be guided in this moment, that is the saving grace. We, like, Francis was saying, we have to be realistic and realize that, that this will take a lifelong commitment. This isn't going to be something where you just take your euros and you go to the enlightenment vending machine and you go, okay, mom, aunt, aunt Nicolene and mother Marga, I'm going to put my coin into the enlightenment vending machine and ting ting, it's going to go ting, and you get it. You know, it doesn't work that way, it takes such devotion, it takes like giving everything that you've got and then even more <laughs> than you can imagine. I guess our lives have kind of gone into more than you could ever imagine. And yet, what other use does time have? Whenever I look at the dream world, I, I think, is there anything else I would rather devote my mind, my heart to? No. I mean, it, that's that's what the spiritual life is for me. It's like, hmm, is there any other alternative? No. <laughs> Would I rather be distracted? No. Not really. Would I rather play out fantasies? It seems like Nemo was playing out all these different fantasies, many, many different, three love relationships and drowning and mm -hmm. being shot and all these other things, and yet it was all for him to come to a point of surrender. I think, that to me, that's what the last scene in the movie was, was he really was surrendered over. Yeah. You could see a smile come on his, 
his face, 118-year-old body, but the big smile and the twinkling eyes, and, and it just came over him that he didn't, he couldn't answer the, the journalist's questions, but he, he had this big smile because he started to realize that none of his decisions were right or wrong, that it was all a hypothetical game uh, that was trying to trick him into making the right decisions in form versus the wrong. And in the end, I remember it all came back to that train track scene where, that was to me the most important scene in the movie where his mother's saying, are you going to come with me or are you going to stay with your father? That's an impossible situation for a child. And in the end, he was told that everything that he, he thought occurred was all in the imagination of, of a nine-year-old child, of this child who was forced seemingly into making an impossible situation. And then it went crazy with all these hypotheticals, like it was trying to find the meaning of love in terms of form choices. Do I stay with mom or dad? But that's, that's actually a good example of duality. The ego sets up an impossible situation of stay with mom because I love her, stay with dad because I love him, and then room, relationship issues, life and death issues, falling off a motorcycle, you know, dying. He seemed to die a number of times, going to Mars even. He was going to Mars in his hypotheticals, all because he was in some kind of a conundrum of hypotheticals that he couldn't find a way out, until he surrendered, until the big smile came across his face and everything got so quiet. And I think, if you give yourself over to this journey and you say, I don't know the form that it's supposed to take, and I don't need to know the form, I will be given the form, moment by moment, then you can come back to, into the present moment, into the guidance. Then you can, your mind can rest away from trying to figure out, did I make a wrong move? Did I make a right turn? Did I make a wrong turn? Because the, the wrong mind is what has to be exposed, but it's, Jesus is never saying that we make mistakes in form. He's just saying, it's always a question of our purpose. Yeah. It always comes down to the simple question of purpose. Yeah, Jesus even says, don't ever correct your brother. Even if he is wrong, he's still right because the mistake is at another level. So in that way, he's saying nobody makes any mistakes at the level you perceive. The mistake is always at the other level. So don't ever correct. But then it applies to this, the body you identify with yourself as well. The mistake applies at another level. It's the wrong mind and it's a call to join with the right mind, to join with the spirit. But I think that's also another thing, what you're experiencing is what David was saying, that we have to face our thoughts, we have to face our mind. Because, you know, like David said, four years ago we met you in Holland, and I think the first retreat you came was a gift from your mother to you. You just came, and then ever since, you're, you're on this, this path, you just started to give yourself yeah. completely over to it. You came to the monastery, you live, you became the character of 
the movie Take Me Home and completely share your, your healings openly on camera with everybody. Let your life be a demonstration of a devotion, basically. And, and then at the same time, no matter how perfect you do everything on the surface, this, this wrong mind is still being faced. You, you can't avoid it. You can't avoid it because on the, on the surface level, it's so, so attentive. You know, you do everything so attentive, attentively, so nice. But that is good to share with everybody because that means you cannot make the form perfect. You still have to face this wrongness in the mind, and that's what you're doing. You know, we just, yeah, we're facing yeah. that. Yeah, there's no... There's no time limit, you know, it's like Jesus is working with us just with our willingness and like originally, you know, you had said, well, I never really even considered getting married, but you were willing to go through and, and get married. Nemo did it three times. I mean, you know, there's three scenes, three wedding scenes with these three different women and they're throwing rice and doing all this and he's like played it out. Did he have any guilt over three wedding scenes? Not at the end. He was like, ha, 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 ha. It took him 118 years, but, but still. And three marriages, and I don't know how many times he got killed. And most people would think, what's David talking about? Because it, it, only in a quantum movie can you talk about three marriages, how many times you were killed. Uh, it's almost like if, if it's all happening simultaneously, that we got these glimpses of all these little different seeming separate ones, but they're all happening simultaneously. And in the end, he couldn't make any sense of it except that he was innocent. Except that he had never made a wrong decision in form. Hmm. He, he, nobody could, you know, even though the journalist was like, did you, did you marry her? Did you have children? You know, it was, the journalist was always asking the questions from the timeline. Because he was like saying, did you, did you stay with her or not? You know, it's, it's like the journalist was saying, it's one or the other. And, and he just couldn't answer the question because these were all memory fragments that all seemed very real to him and all were very important to him as he was living them. But to me, that scene at the end was like, it's all about integration. Even to think that we have two parts to our mind. Jesus says, while you believe you're on earth, what's going on in your mind is you have a split mind. You have one part of your mind is, is devoted to believing in the ego and the reality of the ego, and the other part is the spirit, which is very wise and very loving. And while you seem to have a split mind, you, you will go back and forth until you can come to a decision of integration where you finally realize that, that only your right mind is valid. That you can see a choice between the purpose of the ego, which is hatred and death, and the purpose of the Holy Spirit, which is forgiveness. But, a, but that kind of choice, can you have to recognize it exactly where it is, which is in the mind. Because Jesus says, in the Course, that a decision could never be between, one between a tiny you, he says, and a vast world. We always have these struggles between a personality self, a tiny you, and an external world. 
did my tiny me make the right decision? Jesus is like, that could never be the decision between a tiny you and a vast world that's outside of you. That's the conundrum of, of personality. That's the conundrum of believing you're a person where you want to make the right steps, you want to make the right moves personally, you want to make the right personal choices. But again, it goes back to what we were saying, it's the mind that's the decision maker, not the body. People seem to make decisions, but that's just a projection. In the end, I think it, it comes back to everything I think, say and do teaches all the universe. That's a mind statement, because there's no way that a, you can say that about a person. Everything a person thinks and says and do doesn't teach the whole universe. But everything from a mind sense, everything I think, say and do teaches all the universe. And in the end, this is a, a, a universal calling. You have a very deep calling to God. And you have to be so gentle with yourself and also so willing to be very intuitive. Because in the end, I think it was when Nemo was intuitive that he was able to get in touch with something much greater. He was, he was okay with being the last living mortal. He didn't even have guilt about being the last living mortal, as long as he could laugh in the end. As long as he could feel the love that he felt for Anna. You know, because he was living in a society where they didn't have um, anyone else living except him. And they said, what, is, what about the days when you used to, you know, have, have food and sexuality and all these other things? And, and he was happy to tell the, the journalist what it was like to live in that kind of world. But he still wanted integration. He still had, had not made his peace with all these little pieces and memory fragments. And that's what you're going through now. You're just trying to find the peace with the memory fragments. You have some, some that seem very positive, some that seem negative, but there has to be a way, with the Spirit's help, to, to make peace. To not have a war going on, a battle inside, you know, between doing the right thing and, and doing the wrong thing. Jesus is like, don't worry about the, doing the right thing or the wrong thing. Think! <laughs> think with me, he's saying. <laughs> think with innocence. Think with joy. Think with happiness. Even Joseph Campbell, wasn't that his slogan, follow your bliss? He studied all these cultures throughout history, all these cultures throughout the world, and what he came up with out of all that decades of study was, follow your bliss. <laughs> That's what, that was his final conclusion. That uh, Joseph Campbell, what an amazing uh, life he lived, what an open mind he had. He was always looking at the patterns, like in that movie 222. He was never satisfied with the, the moral, this is right, this is wrong, the cultural, this is right, this is wrong. He knew there was some kind of big answer, and in the end, he decided to follow your bliss. So that's a good, uh, that's a good axiom to live by, you know. And then of course the ego says, oh I'll, I'll invent my own follow your bliss program. <laughs> like in the Matrix, you know, it is called pleasure and pain. Follow the pleasure, avoid the pain. And human beings have been trying that one for 
eons, it seems. It seems like ever since there was a human being, they've been trying to maximize the pleasure and minimize the pain. And then Jesus says in the Course, sin, he says, shifts from pain to pleasure and back again. So it's quite a trick in time and space, because you go for what's pleasurable, and you play out the scenarios, you know. You didn't even plan to get married, and then as soon as you got married, then more unconscious scenarios started to come up. I, I always wanted a house of my own, and then you got it. And then you said, I always wanted, was it a, a kitty cat? You got the kitty cat. Wow, pretty good, I got the husband, the house, and the kitty cat. But still not satisfied. Can't get no satisfaction. Then, then you move on to another scene. Now you're in the Holland, the Netherlands scene. You've got Auntie Nicoline and Mom Marga there, and still it's a little bit of I can't get no satisfaction. And, and then if you start playing that song, that Mick Jagger song, then you're like, did I make a mistake? Did I make a wrong move? Where do I go from here? Do I, do I go back? Do I go forward? You know, you're caught in that Enya song, Anywhere Is. I might be just beginning, I might be near the end. You don't know. It's a, it's a carousel of images swimming around there, and you, you can't tell, did I make a mistake? Am I in the right place? Am I in the wrong place? But it's the same journey that Nemo took, with all these scenarios spinning around like a menu of of images and, and recollections, but there has to be, in the end, we do have to trust how we feel in the, in the deepest sense, intuitively feel. You know, when we're in a land of separation, we can't, Jesus says, you can't tell the difference between pain and joy when you're sleeping. I remember the first time I read that in a course, I was like, oh, I think I can tell the difference between pain and joy. And Jesus said, really? You really believe that you can tell the difference between pain and joy? I said, I think so. I can tell the difference between pain and joy. And he said, no, if you could tell the difference between pain and joy, you would know that there is only joy. But you can't tell the difference. You still believe they both exist pain and joy, so you don't know the difference. Because if you did, only the joy would be there for you to experience. Now that's pretty profound. That's a pretty deep mesmerism, a pretty deep confusion to not be able to tell the difference between pain and joy. Because why? Because as long as I believe in the ego, I still will be attracted to pain, I will still be attracted to guilt, and I will still be attracted to death. Wow! And none of those are joy. So if I still believe that I'm struggling with something, then I still must have an attraction to guilt, to pain, and to death. Even if it's unconscious, if it's the secret dream, I still have to admit I need to, I need to expose something in the secret dream. If my experiences are not consistently joyful, then the only alternative is that I must be attracted to, to pain and to guilt and to death. You know, that's, that's divine logic. And yet that's a, that's a hard one, you know, to take in, in the sense that it's like, wow, that, that, I must need a real 
devoted spiritual discipline and path to go past that. I listen to, I love seeing things on Facebook every day. Every time I listen to Russell Brand, here's a very bright, very articulate Gemini <laughs> uh, who, is, who is trying his best to face his secret dream every day. Every talk I see him give, he's, he is spilling the beans on, very articulate too, he's very articulate at talking about this conundrum called the human condition. And uh, that's why I think people watch him. Although we, that's why I said to Kenneth, you need your own show here, we, need, we have to have our own, we got to have some divine joy pouring <laughs> divine wisdom pouring through this articulation, and then that's what Kenneth is doing with his, his uh, show every week. But that's what we're facing every day. We're facing the same existential conundrum of, of a split mind. Mm -hmm. So thank you, thank you for being so transparent. Just like you were in the movie, you've, you've done it again. <laughs> You're very transparent, and it's for, for the whole universe. It's, it's for everyone. Yep. Okay, well those, those are a good setup now for, maybe we can go to Eric and if you want to raise your digital hand, great, or if you're new and you still haven't figured out how to use Zoom, the digital hand, just start going like this and Eric will see you on his radar. Okay, I see a couple hands went, digital hands went up. I'll go to uh, Portia here. Go, to, go ahead, Portia, you can unmute yourself. Okay, thanks, Eric. Hi, um, everybody. Hi, Portia. Hi, nice to see you. Uh, I, I wrote in a question um, after your thing Friday night, Francis, and I'm braving it because I've been so humiliated by my own inadequacy of being the evolved one all the time um, due to the pain that I've been experiencing in my, mostly in my hips and knees and feet, you know, the, the things that move me forward. And I, I hit this really beautiful realization. I got a little uh, miffed that we were watching Mr. Nobody because I hadn't put the pieces together yet that the entire issue had to do with the root. And I, and I get that very clearly now. It, it can't be dri driven into me enough. But one of the moments that I had in contemplation last night led me to a couple of really uh, good conclusions. Uh, I, I relate to Susanna in a way that I, I want to be further ahead than I am. Um, and the conclusion is, I really just have to meet myself where I am. And where I am is that one of my favorite, absolute favorite things is the cessation of bodily pain. So I was a massage therapist for like six years. And this pain in my hips and my knees and my feet, I know how to get rid of it with, with massage. And when it goes away, it feels so good that I'm realizing I'm addicted to that, to that relief. Um, and so it is. End of story. And I can, 
I can take that a lot further with journaling, getting to who am I identifying with. Uh, but prior to this whole couple of days, I haven't really put together that if I don't meet myself where I'm at and, and take my preference all the way to the end, kind of like those, um, do you remember the smoking cessation cars that they'd have you smoke until you just wanted to puke to stop smoking? I kind of feel like I just have to say to myself, look, this is a preference that you're really stuck with right now and accept it, move through it, massage till your heart's delight, until you recognize it's really not paying off. It's really not what you want. And, and I just have to be okay with that because when I resist facing my guilt, so to speak, or facing that that's really where I'm at with this, I get nowhere. I just stagnate and say, no, I refuse to say that about myself. I'm not even going to tell anybody that I love massage and the way it feels to relieve it. I, I'm, I'm okay with it now. You know, we all face these things. I really relate to Dennis. I start thinking about, well, if I read about um, Louise Hay has all these symptoms represent what? So look it up. You find out your legs represent moving forward. You know, I get way into this, uh, all of my anatomical, neurological knowledge, and, and it just, it becomes its own little ball of ego mesmerism. Um, and I have to appreciate that spirit is still, still deeply hanging in with me and giving me over and over, still, in spite of this major block, I get guidance every day. I'm looking for it, I'm asking for it, and I'm finding, um, you know, I, I probably 10 years ago, David, I had, I wrote it, I spoke about it in AA meetings, maybe not, yeah, that my concept of God, I called it my cosmic vending machine way back when it became, I became aware that that's what I thought is how this all worked. If I did my due diligence, God would give me A, B, C, D. And I came to find out that that just wasn't the case. And I was so furious because I'd given my life. I put in quarters all along and I'd gotten a few really tasty M&Ms and Snickers, but I never got the million dollar, you know, whatever. And eventually God showed me you're just, you're, you're, this is what you think I am. And uh, you've gotten all the cookies and candy that you're going to get. So move forward, you know. Um, and then AA came into my life. And then the course came in. And I do have that wish to be done and just relax. And to be perfected now and reap the benefits. And, um really when I hit these walls of dissatisfaction right around the corner usually is this bliss of, you know, what am I going to do? Get a job and get all excited about that. No, my job, my love is salvation is continually bringing the guilt to awareness, asking spirit to help me see the truth to, to let it go. And it's, it's delightful. 
and I love you guys all so much. I'm, I'm so grateful you allow me to just blather my, my weird thinking and to accept it. And I accept every one of um, all of the people, Esther, everyone who speaks out here, I, sometimes I'm like embarrassed about it. Like, I can't believe they just said that. And then I think, thank you for saying that. Cause I need to know that I'm not the wild weird one here that we all have these things. And uh, that's just part of our condition, our collective condition. So um, that's about it. And uh, thank you guys so much. Beautiful, Portia. Thank you, Portia. Thank you. That, I think that's really profound because um, what I liked about the Mr. Nobody movie is it, it's, it was starting to question something that is so accepted, so commonly accepted that, um, that it's never questioned, and that's the, the forward motion of time. Um, I think about movies where affirmations, my good, make my good better, make my better the best, and, you know, and, and I want a better future, and I, I'm praying for a better... There's, with this whole thing of wanting things to be better, in terms of time, there's an assumption underneath that the forward movement of time is good. Uh, even the idea to grow, you know, most of us were raised with, it's good to grow. And, and even that's not true. We're starting to realize from the quantum hypotheticals that all hypotheticals about the future and the past are defenses against the holy instant. That even growth is just an, is a belief. Spirit doesn't grow. It either is recognized or unrecognized, but spirit doesn't grow. When we look at, at things like the forward movement of time, I think I mentioned yesterday that, that the forward movement of time, having a connotation as being good, is still the belief that truth can be reached by adding something on that that's what time is, is the belief that I keep adding something, that eventually I'll reach, it's like the Tower of Babel, if I keep building and adding on higher and higher into the sky, that I'll reach God. And, and it's not how we reach God, we reach God through the moment, which is that everything is perfect now. So it's the forgiveness of even, the like you were saying with the legs, and this is how I move forward and everything, we have to forgive forward, because time does, is not the helpful thing. Either, even uh, now with Christopher Nolan and, and uh, the idea of time reversal, which I was talking about, that's, the, that's no better either. Imagine that you start to develop a psychic ability to counter your, your forward movement thing, and then we're talking a few years from now and you're going, David, I now am mastering time reversal. I am actually, I watched that Christopher Nolan movie, Tenant, and I was so enamored by time reversal that I just thought, I am going to go in reverse. Uh, whatever I was going for before was, was bringing me pain. But Jesus is basically telling us that time reversal or time forward is not the holy instant. The holy instant is is the gateway to eternity in which it's complete acceptance of innocence. 
it's of our innocence, that we've never done anything right, we never will do anything right. We've never done anything wrong, we never will do anything wrong, because problems are only remembered or anticipated. So I think this thing that you were talking about with the knees and the legs and the, the feet and the heels and so forth, it's, it's still the belief that there's something positive about moving forward. And basically what we're being shown through this uh, quantum movie is that forward is still hypothetical. It's forward to what, really, you know? And when we think we can go back, all those time loop movies or uh, the movies where you can go back, I've, I've been watching the one Being Erica, where Erica keeps going back and she can't change the past. As much as she would like to, she can't change the past. But I like the title, Being Erica. I want you to, being the Christ is what I want you to focus on. The, the Christ is not found in the future and the Christ is not found in the past, but being. How about we emphasize beingness instead of growth? Because growth still implies time. And it can take no time to be who we are and always have been. So, this relates a little bit with Esther's question, which we haven't read yet, but we were, it was about, I need to do nothing. Where she, she likes, she loves the idea of I need to do nothing. That's her big thing that she's taken from the Course, I need to do nothing. And yet, how does guidance fit with I need to do nothing? And I did a whole retreat, didn't we do a retreat a couple weekends ago about how all guidance is simply to bring you into the present. Guidance is not to make a better you in the future. And that was part of the old vending machine thing where you thought, if I keep putting these coins in, you better give me not just a Snickers bar, not just the Baby Ruth, I want the million dollar bar. Remember, there is a, <laughs> there is a million dollar bar. There, you want the big, the big kahuna. I want the big, the big prize. If I put enough coins in, the ego says, if you put enough coins in, you keep getting the can cookies and candies, eventually you're going to get the big prize. It's a trick. There is no big prize in time and space. There, we, we've been taught by the ego to keep trying, keep putting money into that, that coin. It's really like a slot machine is what it is. It's not even a vending machine. <laughs> you know, when you go to this, I don't know if you've ever played a slot machine. I, doesn't, not in my awareness, but I've heard of them. And, and you've put the money into the slot machine and you have to keep playing the game to try to get the jackpot. And to me, this is exactly what the ego's trick is. I'll be happy when I hit the jackpot in time and space. It never happens. There is no jackpot in time and space. What does Jesus say? All of the roadways of the world lead to death. death. It's a slot machine of death, and we can keep putting coins for years, hundreds of thousands of years, we can keep going to that slot machine and going, I think this is the time, put the money in and pull the, <laughs> pull the lever, you know, one more time. That's what reincarnation seems to be, that's why I said it's a conspiracy theory, because reincarnation, what is really the point of reincarnation? And when I asked Jesus about that, I said, doesn't reincarnation have something to do with spiritual awakening? He said, no, it's not essential for the curriculum, 
and reincarnation simply describes the problem. It doesn't provide the solution. Whoa, reincarnation describes the problem. No wonder it's a conspiracy theory. Because <laughs> how many descriptions of the problem do we need? I mean, I've read some Advaita Vedanta things, which are really good. They're like non-dual pathways. But when it comes down to the question of God, it's, uh, it's like conversations with God. God needs to realize himself in form. What? And so God created form, a playland, a lila, in order to realize himself. What? If God is everything, why does God need to come up with a lila, a playland? Now I see where the Holy Spirit can say, if you give the world, if you give your dream to me, I will take you away from the urge to try to get things from people. Get, get money, get attention, get, you know, recognition. I will, I will take away the getting motive, because the ego is the getting motive. And once you're in the giving mode, give, give, give. You're here only to give. That's all the hypotheticals are for, are for giving. A million different ways to give, or a trillion, then you're on the right track. Because when you get into the giving mode, you have a happy dream. But if you're in the getting mode, you're at the slot machine, and you're always putting the money in, and you're always pulling the lever, hoping to get an outcome. And, and this is just the way of the human nature. That's why I was saying with Susanna. Susanna told us, even though she got married on the movie, in the movie, she told us that she had no intention of ever getting married. No intention. So that was pretty trusting, to then follow guidance and get married to Jeffrey. But as soon as she got married to Jeffrey, then it's like, oh, it would be nice to have a house. Oh, would be nice to have a catch. And you see how the ego is like, come over to my slot machine. You didn't even think you'd get married. Now you've got a husband and a cat and a nice big house in Nevada. And then the ego is like, what more can we go after? It's like the Wicked Witch of the West. Oh, my pretty. Now that you're on the wheel, wheel of fortune, <laughs> now that you're playing my slot machine, let's see, how many coins have you got there? And how many times can I get you to pull the lever? And that's why I was using Nemo as an example. He got married three times. Three weddings <laughs> in the same movie. Three weddings with rice and people and throwing rice and happy, you know, the church. Three times he came out of the, the church scene with, with three different ones. He had Elise and uh, Jean, Jean and Anna. Ah. He had three marriages, three weddings, and still he was he was still at the slot machine until the very end of the movie. Then he, I think he cashed in all of his chips, you know. I think he just, he cashed in all of his chips and he walked away from the table. He walked away from the slot machine. That's really all the Holy Spirit is asking us to do is, in terms of the time-space slot machine, walk away from the table. One time Jesus was he was dictating the course to Helen Schuckman, and she took the course down over seven years. But there was one time where there was a little pause in the scribing action, and Jesus gave her a riddle. 
And she was a bit shocked, because she's used to Jesus just dictating, you know, not playing games with her. She's like a real sophisticated research psychologist, and Jesus is giving her a riddle. So Jesus, in the middle of it, says, okay, he says, here's a riddle. What do you do when you find yourself in a desert? Jesus, Jesus asked a question, a riddle question to her. He's out of pattern. What do you do when you find yourself? And Helen doesn't know how to answer him. She's just like, she's totally stumped. She's so used to him. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He, he's the giver of everything, and now he's asking her a question. She's like, what do you do when you find yourself in the desert? So she couldn't, she didn't even answer. And then Jesus said, leave. You see the cosmic humor here? You see how that tiny riddle says so much for all of us. What do you do when you find yourself in a desert? What do you do, I would say right now, Jesus is asking us, what do you do when you find yourself in a desert of hypotheticals? All these different choices and concern, too, about make, do the right thing. Don't make a mistake. Don't pick the wrong thing. You've got to pick the right thing. And what do you do when you find yourself in a desert of hypotheticals? Leave. And I think that's what the power of now, Eckhart Tolle is about. That's what all the saints and sages, really, if you look throughout history, really that's their core message, is who you are right now is everything. And all of the attempts in the past and the future are just distractions and defenses against the I am presence. That's really what Jesus was teaching too. And I think through this movie, he was really making it clear. That's why I say he likes this movie, because it's, it's not so much the movie itself, but it's what the movie is pointing towards that is so spectacular, actually. And that does fit with the I need do nothing, but, but I think we have to be very honest. Like, when, when you're asking the question, or any of us, or or Esther about the I need to do nothing is, if I believe in hypotheticals, maybe I could just say, here Jesus, you use my belief in hypotheticals to help me escape from them. You, you use time to help me understand that there is no time. That's, that's how the Holy Spirit works. Using time to show that there is no time. And in that sense, it's that's why the plan is gentle, and that's why the, the plan is relevant to our mind. Because we're given a function, a miracle working function. And you sh I see that with you, I see you shine your light. You've, you've been shining your light since we've first met. And, and you know, the ego may say, you're farther along than you are, you're farther behind, but that's just hypothetical tricks trying to keep you away from that, that innocent point of, of right now. Like, oh yeah, that's right. Nothing's gone wrong or right. I'm, I'm right here with my faith like I have always been. I, I, my faith in spirit is unwavering. It's, it stays right here. It's very strong. Okay. Thank you, Portia. Okay, well, I'm going to go to um, Jesse there at the monastery next. You can go ahead and unmute yourself, Jesse, or maybe Robert will do that for you. 
All right. Um, hello. Uh, I just wanted to share my experience uh, with you guys because it's uh, <laughs> it's been pretty miraculous. Um, uh, it started on Wednesday night um, when we were watching the movie Two Two Two, and uh, it was actually the second time I, I we watched the movie the night before as a group, um, and so it was kind of like you know a pattern um, to watch that again. Um, and during the during the movie, uh, something sparked in my head. Maybe something David said, and I started thinking about all like my past, like, like all the hypothetical thinking that I thought and having like memories of those being real and like having everything that I could ever think of be real. And it, it really felt like it was a collapse of time um, and like an acceptance of everything and, and, and seeing that, um, that nothing went wrong and that, you know, everything was as real and as illusionary as what I as what I thought my actual past was. And, uh, and that the thing that is uh, real is the Holy Spirit. And the thing that, that is false is the, the ego thinking that it's doing something wrong. And that all of those paths, the, the one common thread is that all of those paths had the Holy Spirit leading me to the same place, which is just right here in the moment um, where, uh, you know, where, where I'm, talking and hearing the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And um, even I remember like thinking, uh, like I was just so proud of myself for like, you know, having all of these realizations and ahas. And, and I heard this voice, it's like, no, that's, that's not you. You know, that's, uh, this is the Jesus. This is the Holy Spirit talking to you. And, uh, you know, I'm the one that's healing you. I'm the one that's waking you up. I'm the one that's healing your brother and waking him up. Um, and like, and I've always been with you. I've always been here. You've just had an illusion that, that you were separate from me. And, um, and so that was really cool. And then to have that all followed up with, um, this movie where he's, you know, like reliving all of these hypotheticals as though they're real, like there's all these different paths, um, was just, uh, you know, mind blowing to me. And, um, and I think just the whole experience has really, uh, made me, see like and know for sure that that like that guidance is always with me and that um you know it's just it's just a matter of opening up to it and and really like having faith and letting myself believe in that um and so i just wanted to share that and thank you guys very much for um for all of that i miss Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you jesse thank you jesse so fun to see your smiling face and to see the word on your t-shirt together. And my eyes kept being drawn while you were just, that was so big on the big screen, together, together. And everything you shared was the, the presence of being together. Mm. So thank you. What a blessing. Okay, I'm going to go to Tara next. Go ahead, Tara, you can unmute your microphone. Hi, uh, this is the first time I've been to one of these meetings. Are you able to see me or hear me? Yes, yes. 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 Okay, great. Um, I, I don't know where to begin. Um, I'm quite nervous right now. Um, I've been listening to your tapes on all my walks, uh, on Spreaker, all your talks. I've listened to a lot of 
Beth Wapnick, Gary Renard, years now, and um, uh, basically, uh, I have always felt extremely out of the loop. I don't know how to explain it, but all I can say is, um, ever since I was a toddler, I always saw life as a script unfolding in a play that people were just playing, and um, so... Uh, I was uh, looked at for a long time as an awkward uh, person or um, uh, being corrected by being called the peace reality when I would uh, exude too much joy. That would be hard to be accepted. And um, uh, basically, it's a... Uh, just watching the movie, I totally resonated with Nemo because I was like that awkward child that not necessarily being in my pants, but this I would see things from a very comical point of view. And um, I laugh a lot at scenarios or friends would not really understand me when I'm just trying to... Um, uh, come from a point of view of like, well, we're just like really spirits playing like we're in the bodies in it and the play sand, you know, and in the play box. And so this is really all really funny. And, and um, I'm sorry, I'm just so nervous. It's just, oh. um, I've been staying in a hiding mode, so to speak, as, as the spirit and the love that I know that I am. Um, um, I would feel guilty for not taking things serious enough. Um, it, it would just be like as if there would be a, a, a self-condemnation for being too joyful or being too loving. I don't know how to explain this, but it was, it's, um, so I would actually become more quiet or more serious and tone myself down, and uh, seeing the movie with Nemo was just so, it just resonated to the very core of my being, that it's okay to be where I'm at and to learn my lessons in the way that I learn them, because, I mean, something as small as driving and me recognizing a thought of annoyance, I'd immediately just have the thought of, oh, help me see that differently. I saw that I was annoyed with this person. Or it, it, and, and so um, I'll just give you this the last scenario I'll have and, and, and give the floor to someone else. But there was someone that uh, I used to work with, a co-worker, and um, she um, she was from New York, and I am um, from El Paso, and I'm of culture. I'm Mexican, and I'm of a culture of, of hugging people and, and embracing people. And, and uh, anyway, she would confront me with it being very unprofessional and that surely I couldn't truly be that happy. It's just got to be a, a, a fake, phony persona that I'm doing and to face reality. I, that just seems to be a a pattern that I experience a lot of. 
And um, so I had um, I had created a situation of being attacked by a wasp so that I could be separated from this person because I was having such a hard time um, accepting uh, the forgiveness. I would be I would be at the office putting in my mind, okay, you're holy, you're spirit, you know, you're forgiven, you're released. Okay, but I was still vacillating between ego and spirit on this one, and then this one went on for a month. Finally, I ended up at home um, having to heal uh, the attack on my arm. But I realized I just really wanted to remove myself from the office so that I could just work through this. So, uh, as I was watching a lot of your YouTube videos, David, and and other ones, I was really releasing a lot of self-hatred because I allowed myself to really confront a hatred that I was having towards this person for hating me so much. I, and so it was to really confront my dark emotions at that time was so... I mean, I would scream, I would cry, I would just, and then I would release this immense love for her. It was, I came to that point. And next thing I know, several weeks later, I get a call that she's moving to Florida. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so I was like, that, that the lesson was over. <laughs> but it, 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 my life has been constantly working on allowing myself to um, to be loved, and that's all. Mm -hmm. I, thank you so much for this. Is this experience has been amazing? It's been great. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Tara. Thanks for sharing that, Tara, because it's it's so great to to always meet new people on these retreats, and then and hear their experiences of how they're practically uh, healing. And, you know, I think there was something to this movie, too. There was a lightness, because even the, even the song that kept playing in the background, the, this Mr. Sandman, you know, it's the chordettes. It's just... There's something light about it. And it's all about, bring me a dream. It's, it's like Jesus is playing this happy song about bring me the dream, make him the cutest that I've ever seen, and, and lots of wavy hair like Liberace. You know, it's, it's so funny. And it's almost like a, a, a Jesus and the Holy Spirit laughing that we would, we would try to make it, uh, make up all these scenarios to hide away from God's love. And it's like, I, behind that song I just hear a ha 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 ha. <laughs> That's the way I hear the song. <laughs> Mr. Spirit, <laughs> bring me a happy dream. You know, it's, it, it turns it around. It's kind of poking fun at what seems to the ego to be so serious. So I just love it that you brought your, from your, your heart and your culture, your, your happiness and your hugging and your joy, and then of course got to face uh, the reactions with this feeling like, I can't even believe I, why would I give myself an attack lesson? Like this is, like, 
you know, you just, you go through all the hatred and you purge and you let it up, then all this gushing love comes up and then uh, the boss moves to, uh, to Florida. You know, it's like, of course, you know, that it's, as we release the attack thoughts, as we release the hatred, then our dream lightens up and, and aspects, we don't need that anymore. It's, it's, it's no longer needed in the script, it's no longer needed in the projection. And that's the way I feel my life has gone, it's just like all these joy and laughter and hugs and meeting all these people that are just so loving and hugging, all these sincere course students that are just giving their heart over, you know, to heal. And uh, it's beautiful that we just keep drawing forth the reflections to our, as witnesses to our mind. And thank you for keeping the faith with the happiness and the, the love. It's just a beautiful uh, reflection for all of us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tara. Well, what do you want to do? We've got, it's, it's 12 <laughs> noon and it's five, five hands. Five more hands. Our tech support team. Five hands. We see the note. <laughs> five fingers. What do you want to go forward? Sure. Okay. All right, Eric. Bring us the five hands. <laughs> okay, great. I will go to Marie Chase next. Marie, you can go ahead and unmute yourself. Okay, can you hear me? Yeah, hi yeah. Marie. Okay, hi. hello, hello. <laughs> Thank you both so much. And my sharing is uh, definitely from uh, an inspired space because, uh, you know, the little me doesn't want to do this. So, um, so... Um, this is from the perspective of the body symptoms and, um, and the, the whole focus of, of what we've been talking about. But, um, and I guess first I'll tell you that the container in which this occurred was um, the, um, just what you talked about, well, both of you really, about putting the goal first ahead of everything and the consistent prayer of um, of your truest desire, right? Holding that, that, that clear, true desire. So I've known what this is for many, 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 many years in my life and have, have um, you know, been in and out of it, but really that's the container of my entire life, you know, is I'm here to wake up and, um, and that's it. So um, that said, um, a year ago, <clears throat> um, after a year of symptoms, so July of last year, after a year of symptoms, uh, really bad, bad, bad symptoms, pain, et cetera, not being able to walk, all these things, um, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease in the second stage of Lyme disease. And I'm not a fear-based person. Um, and um, when I was diagnosed in the morning at the doctor's office, I was totally in peace, totally, absolutely in peace. And even though I knew this, I had just moved back from Idaho after many, many years back to New York, you know, the Lyme capital of the world, I think. And, um, and I had heard the stories of, of Lyme disease and how it progresses. And it wasn't pretty, and it was not a pretty sight to, to, and I was already in massive, massive pain, but totally in peace. That day I'm out and about, I go from the doctor's office and I move into 
um, this like balance of peace on one hand and on the other hand, um, the practical things. Okay, wait a minute. I know the story about Lyme. I've read about it. So I need diet and herbs and vitamins and da 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 da's, right? And so I go and I work on that and I go shopping and all this stuff. I mean, I downloaded a book in the cafe of a grocery store, read the whole thing of what to do about Lyme disease, you know, and what to eat. So I knew what to buy. And, um, and, and, but I'm still peaceful, but I'm approaching it from this mind perspective, right? I'm driving home. It's now late at night driving home and I'm just in a zone, you know, and the voice comes to me, which I always know it's like the voice because it drops right in the center, you know, like in the pineal gland area, you know, and it said, someday you're going to know that this is the best thing that ever happened to you. And I knew what that meant. I knew that it meant exactly. This is the moment when um, you're going to heal your belief in the body as being real. You're going to heal the separation right now. And, you know, nothing gets your attention like physical pain. And, you know, really, I was barely walking. I could only drive every other week because one leg would go, the other leg would go, all this stuff. This happened to be a day when my right leg could work so I could use the gas pedal. <laughs> so uh, I, then, I then go into, and, you know, I'm doing spiritual practices all the time, um, but I, I then go into two months of, you know, medication, herbs, all this stuff, right? two months. I have so many vitamins, so many herbs in front of me. I have an app to like decide, you know, so remind me, take this, then, that, then. I wake up one morning, I sit down, you know, I live in a, a Course in Miracles community um, in upstate New York. It's an intentional community, you know, so it's, I'm, I sit down at the, at the table and I'm like, look at all this stuff. And I just said, excuse me, like, heck with this. I said, I have never been a sick person. I'm not going to be a sick person. And that's it. And, um, and I then um, opened to um, some guidance from A Course in Miracles teacher, like that night. And um, what she was sharing is um, to work with the holiness lessons of the course, 35 to 38, you know those lessons. I then went out, we have six acres here and walking woods and all this stuff. And I then went out and, and, you know, and again, this is all within the container of, I know my deepest desire. I know what I'm here for. I know that this experience is an experience to help me to like, let it go like once and for all. Right. Um, it's not like those lessons are like, you know, incantations or something, you know, it's not going to work with, with, you know, without being in that container. You just said something recently about that, David. And I swear three days, it's gone. Three days, it's gone. My every single step, every time a body symptom came up, I'm like, oh, separation. <clears throat> oh, separation. And it was just, I would use the body uh, for that. And really important is before I even entered into, like this all happened one day, I'm done. I know what I'm here for. I said to the body, knock yourself the heck out. I don't care what you do. Nothing is going to, um, nothing is going to get in the way of what I'm here to do. 
you could do whatever you want to do, knock yourself out and, um, and just focused on what I'm here to do and walked every step with, you know, um, holiness and three days gone, gone gone i'm like and it's like i tell you and it's just been just in really incredible um and anyway i wanted to share that just for because it brings all the stuff together in case anyone else is really still struggling with body symptoms um and uh anyway thank you thank you thank you thank you thank that's you, the Marie. power of using your will you yeah. really willed yourself uh, back into your your happiness and your your one function. That's a beautiful parable. The power of the mind and the will. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Beautiful. <laughs> it's like nothing you can do to 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 serve the purpose to distract me away from the spirit. The body will cease to serve that purpose for your mind. Then it just changed to be useful. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a story of mind over matter. That's a story of the power of the mind and the the nothingness of the body. And uh, when you were talking, I I had that scene from the Truman Show when the ego Christoph tries to drown him and kill him out in the in the water. And uh, after after he finally stops trying to kill him and he comes up and he's he spits out the water and everything. He just looks right into the camera and he says. Best? Is that the best you can do? <laughs> That's the spunk that you had. It's like when you were saying, I am not a sick person. I have never been a sick person. You know, it's like, uh, it's the, the prayer underneath. You know, like I have a purpose here for healing. And this is, it involves healing in mind. And it involves using the power of your, your will. You, you literally uh, willed yourself uh, to the happiness, and here you are sharing it, sharing the parable with all of us. So that's that's such a beautiful, beautiful witness. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to go to Anna Carol next. There in Camus. Go ahead, Anna Carol. Well, this has been a fabulous morning. Um, and I, I realized when you were speaking with uh, Susanna that I've been identifying myself with the body and and um, had a lot of self-hatred, not with specific thoughts, but a constant feeling of wrongness and uh, like uh, I wasn't where I belonged here in co-living. Uh, So now I, I remember what Suzanne told me one time uh, when I was up here in, in Canada. She says, look for the innocence. And uh, I had been having an issue with someone there. And, and as that person came by doing the weeding, I just fell in love. And I felt love for everything and everyone. And uh, as you were speaking with Suzanne, this is what came over me here I'm I've been really repressing and pushing down the the thoughts and thinking that I I should be 
further ahead than I am after all of these years. And carrying this identity of mother, and I represented the mother icon or the grandmother icon, or the, you know, the, with everyone that seems to, to be here. But uh, I've been so self-critical and judgmental. Everything I'm doing is saying, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't be in this conversation. Just blame, blame, blame on pouring onto myself. And now it's like I can practice what I have been thinking other people should do, you know, thinking that I know what has worked. And uh, so I can, it's like just releasing all of this stuff and all these meaningless thoughts and these assumptions about the past. It's, it's really putting into, into a, a, a form that I can recognize and see how it's so true. I'm either believing the Course entirely and I'm in ecstasy or I'm, I'm in hell and wondering how I can get out and thinking that it's, it's all these, these people and, and I'm not aligned with them and their belief system and I can't be with somebody that doesn't think just like me. So, and all these thoughts about should I leave or should I go and wanting to run away, wanting to hide. That's what I did with family many years ago was hiding out. And, uh, so it, it's just like a, a new sense of, of peace and like I can, I can just give it all over to Holy Spirit now and not be concerned about anything that happens to go on or that appears in form and really trust my brother because my brother is one with me and there we are the same. We're not different. We are the Holy Son of God all the time. And just see that innocence. Look for that innocence and, and recognize it everywhere. The, the love and the innocence is present. So, thank you. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Thank you. <laughs> so beautiful. Thank you, AC. I could almost hear a, yeah, a whole choir of angels behind you while you were speaking and they were all singing hallelujah. Mm. They're just rejoicing and celebrating your turn to innocence. <laughs> and they're just so happy. So, yeah, what a, what a beautiful thing you share with us. What a, what a presence. And, yeah, you're just a bright, a bright one. So you've got so much love to share. Okay, I will go to uh, Roberto next. Go ahead, Roberto. Well, hello from Brazil to you guys. Hi, Roberto. Just uh, wanted to mention my uh, enormous gratitude for, for the Living Miracles community as a whole, David Francis and everybody else. Just incredible. I always uh, think that uh, the last uh, online seminar was the best ever, right? 
And you guys over overdid it this weekend again. So for me, this one is the best ever, right? And, and it's just not for the uh, for the words and the whatever was shared and anything else, but how the spirit reacts to all that. So during the night, you know, dreaming and. It, you know, it, it, the spirit reacts and, and comes comes to life. So um, on this weekend, I was able to really uh, understand this uh, beingness and the whole the whole idea of the the spirit being in everything, right? So this is brand new to me, and uh, just thank you for that. But I have a little question that you know, in front of all that, doesn't matter, right? It really doesn't matter. But I, I really would like not to have this question in my mind. You talk so much about the coming back, blah, blah, blah. And I remember lesson 158 that says that uh, we are reviewing what has already gone by. This, this concept I was able to understand. But now, since we're reviewing what's already gone by, with this idea of blah blah blah, it doesn't. I cannot understand that. So maybe, <laughs> maybe it's not important. But just wanted to share that maybe uh, we should understand because you gave such an emphasis on this idea that uh, I would not like to to leave it alone. Yeah. Well, we're we're just shifting gears from the scriptures written and reviewing mentally what has already gone by to uh, we're going quantum, like we're shifting into the, into the quantum gear now. And, and that's the simultaneous, that everything is, that we experience is simultaneous. So it's, it's going beyond the gone by. <laughs> that, that was an old, that was a last week's workshop, or that was last week. Uh, but if you hang in with this, you know, I mean, what have we got left? Full trans transparency full is all transparency. full transparency, you know, and you your face is always whenever I see you, you are Mister Transparency. I mean, if I made a movie about your life, it wouldn't be Mister Nobody. <laughs> you are Mister Transparency. You wear your heart on your sleeve, and that is such a gift for all of us. You know, you you you. It's like you don't you you don't hide anything. You your curiosity comes out, your emotions come out. It's so healing uh, for everyone, really, to, to see the witness of that transparency. And then I think it, it does move into a sense of beingness, because, because just like early on, you know, when we get on the spiritual journey, you know, we're all excited with becoming. You know, we really get excited with becoming. What am I going to become? Oh my gosh, we're into growth, and we're into becoming, and then we even think, somebody tells us we can become enlightened. We go, oh my gosh, I can become enlightened? And that sounds really good to us back then. And now we're just like into the being. Uh, you know, we're really into the being and the transparency, because that's, the transparency keeps it really honest and true. You know, like, because we know there's a love and an acceptance there. Like, we love you unconditionally, and we adore you, and we, we love your transparency. You know, you're not 
filtering anything, you're not holding back, you're not hiding anything. And that's a great witness because that to me is, that's what being is all about. It's, it's okay to be exactly as you are, not to try to fall into these hypotheticals of, I'll get there someday. Like uh, AC, Anna Carol was just saying, like, oh, I don't, I, I should be farther along. Who says so? Uh, or I'll get there one day. Who says so? You know, it's, it's just really starting to feel that love right now. Because mm. you're so deserving of it. And you, yeah, I always feel like you, you just are such a host of God. You, you are really hosting the Holy Spirit and, and sharing that. It, oh, I remember that from all of our trips down to, uh, to Brazil, to Sao Paulo, and you, I hadn't, you know, I, I meet you for the first time, you're like, Dave, come with me, I'm taken to Rio de Janeiro. I'm like, Rio de Janeiro, wow, I never, Jesus, the big Jesus statue, and you take me to the healing house, and say, Padre Pia, was it the, the healing house, and they all come out, and they're all dressed in white, and they're all praying over us, and that's what Brazil is. Brazil, you, you are really representing the, the spirit, the real deep uh, desire and connection for spirit. So, and I know you've got, you've got, I think coming up here in August, don't you have some things going on down there? And I know uh, Paulina has got another uh, thing planned for us at the end of this month. All my brothers and sisters in uh, Portugal and Brazil are, so it's just the beat goes on. It's, we, we've got a happy song. We're doing a happy song together here. Thank you, Roberto. <laughs> <laughs> the smile says it all. <laughs> oh. Okay, thank you. Go to Dennis next. Go ahead, Dennis. You can unmute yourself. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Hi, Dennis. Hi there. I, um, you know, like maybe about an hour ago, I thought I, I wanted to say something. And as soon as I had the thought, like I immediately got nervous. And uh, so somewhere along the way, I realized that I, I never really say what I think I want to say when I think I want to talk. That listening to everyone else actually puts words into my mouth and, and ideas that that just come from that joining uh, and and so I just wanted to be really grateful like right now for I'm not really nervous but to be grateful for nervousness anyhow because I was an hour ago <laughs> and um, just to just to, to sit here and even if I said nothing to know that 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 was enough um, <laughs> and that's absolutely crazy in and of itself, you know. Uh, and like some of the things that have been going through my mind is that I've been considering going to, to Utah. And uh, my mind really wants to go. But my body 
has other ideas. <laughs> so um, I'm really right in the middle of split, split lines. Uh, but I just wanted to, to be present in this moment as I am without anything else. I mean, uh, just quiet. So one thing I really love about the weekends are uh, the outrageousness of some of the things that go on. David, you're uh, miraculously outrageous. Uh, <laughs> that does bring a lightness to it all, you know, because it can be so serious. It's just so easy to slip into seriousness. And uh, I mean, to, to just be aware that it, you know that it's it really can be a light journey, and uh, even though there's some sadness uh, and maybe some anger and self hatred, yeah, that in this moment it's all really okay. Uh, um, I don't know. <laughs> I think that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Oh, thank, thank you, Dennis. You, we love your presence. <laughs> I, I think ever since you started coming on our online retreats, you just you look like the kid in the candy store. You're just like, your eyes are big, and you're just so enjoying all the online interactions, and you're just taking it all in and soaking it in. And and then when you do come on camera, before you say a word, we all feel your presence, we feel your gratitude and your sincerity, just see it all over your face even before you even speak a word. So that's kind of cool to remember, that way if you ever have that thought of a nervous nervous moment an hour ago, you can have a good belly laugh at the, like, oh that's a silly, <laughs> that's a silly thing. They feel my love and gratitude even before I say a word. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, I'll, I'll keep it light. I always will, will be the one that uh, will be laughing in these retreats. So, yeah, you can count on that. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. It's Nirzari. I'll go to you, Nirzari. You can unmute. Your, there you go. Yeah. Uh, hi, David. Hi, Francis. Hello, everyone. Uh, uh, David, I, I really want to express my utmost gratitude to you. First of all, I've been writing you emails and probably you know the phase and the transition that I'm going through right now. Uh, but just before this was to happen, three months before I was guided to read Quantum Forgiveness and the first movie that I watched was Mr. Nobody from the Quantum Forgiveness. And uh, it really made me question a lot of things and a lot of realities of my life and then a huge transition where my son has passed away one and a half months back and uh, this awareness of you know there is something beyond the body and the script is written is literally helping me move through this phase of my life and uh, one a very beautiful thing that happened 
over the course of last three months was I joined with Seema in one of your retreats, uh, the song of prayer that I attended last last month. And uh, she has literally, you know, like guided me all throughout this hospitalization and all the transition of my sons, you know, from the physical reality to, you know, the what whichever other reality is in. And, uh, you know, the joining of Mighty Companions, me being guided to you right before this was to happen. I mean, I can just say that I'm, I'm deeply grat- grateful to you just for your presence for your teachings, the mighty companions that are helping me. So thank you so much. Thank you, Nazari. Yeah, it's a wonderful plan that that you would watch Mr. Nobody before these events of the recent months and then also Dr. Seema, that's who I mentioned earlier, our uh, medical doctor turned uh, mystic teacher. Uh, to be a perfect mighty companion for you uh, the days when you went to the hospital and and were dealing with everything that you were dealing with. She was like a perfect symbol of the Holy Spirit for you and and I've talked to her too since then and she said what a blessing has been uh, for her to, to join with you on a daily basis and how that helped her open her heart and and to really connect with Devi, with, with Devi's mind and Devi's soul and the, all the amazing things that happened for her. So, it, you're a perfect example of how the Spirit is using everything uh, to go through whatever we have to go through. And, and you're smiling and you just come and sailing through and yeah, you're just a gift to all of us. So, I love it. Mr. Nobody meets India! Wow! <laughs> It's beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Really beautiful. I, I just, uh, I'm so grateful that for all of your participation because when you share your testimonies and your miracles, you don't know how much a gift that is for, for the mind and for everybody. So it just feels such a, such a gift for us to come together in this context to share the ideas from the spirit, but also to share your thoughts, your experiences. So I'm um, thank you for everything, for your courage, and for you know hanging with it, with us there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the what we have all got in touch with was was even though our title was beyond the body, that we are really getting in touch with the power of our mind and the power of our prayer. And so that's beautiful because that kind of does lead into our, our next uh, month of, of transparency. But think of your, yourself as a transparent spirit. Think of yourself as a transparent mind. Uh, that's, that's how we transcend the body, is by be tr- being transparent with our thoughts. That even though the ego has said, stuff it down, repress it, hide it, cover it over, uh, we've reached a point now where we realize, no, I, I, I'm happy to be transparent and if I keep exposing what I previously was hiding, then I'm going to be so transparent that I'm going to be nothing but a shining light, mm. a beautiful light of God, mm. shining my light to everything and everyone, shining away fragmented perception and, and, and allowing everything to integrate and everything to come whole. 
we're going full circle now. We're not interested in partial techniques and partial ideas. We're coming full circle to the light who we are. And hallelujah for that. I see the hands going up. We're all in to the, let the circle come complete and let us feel the joy of our innocence. And so, it, what a symphony we have here. All the, all the instruments and all the music is being played. Everybody's not afraid to sing their song. Everybody's not afraid to play their part. Everybody realizes that their part is essential for all of us. Like Francis was saying, every time you open up and you share what's on your heart, then everybody hears it. You can see Dennis's face. Dennis almost had just tears of gratitude just from listening to all of you speak. Just from listening to the wisdom pour through your mouth. It shows that we are, we are home free. And we are in the tractor beam now of the light. And we don't have to uh, wallow in the shadows anymore. We're, we're being beamed up <laughs> by the light. So thank you all and thank you for your your prayers, thank you for writing in everything that you writ, wrote in. It, it always is, blesses us. Just to read what you've written is just a huge blessing. And then to come online with you live like this, uh, wow, what a treat. Yeah, yeah <laughs> What truly. a treat. Yeah. So from all of our hearts to your hearts, we love you, we love you, God bless you, our hugs, our kisses, our prayers are with you. And keep ascending to the light. <laughs> <laughs>